Hello, 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 beautiful souls, and welcome back to Fear It Goes. Oh my goodness, today's episode is a very interesting one. I'm just going to give a little caveat right here. We have a special guest on today, and he is talking about lending for businesses, and he's also talking about mindset around businesses and what he's discovered over the many, many years of working with different businesses. So, just a caveat. You may experience something that triggers in today's episode. You may feel affronted by some of the things that are being said. This is a great opportunity for you to really question, why is this actually bothering me? It's not what he's saying. It's something in you. So question that and work through it. Um, Great opportunity today. I'm telling you such good, good, good deets in this today. So without further ado, our guest today is Daniel Morrow. He is an entrepreneur of entrepreneurs, and honestly, he started off as a chef, moved into entrepreneurship, became a financial advisor, and then has now gone into the business lending world. He is an absolute delight to have on the show. So strap in, babies. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. I want to welcome you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is Daniel Morrow. We're speaking to you today. Thanks for being on Fear It Goes, Daniel, and sharing your great wisdom. For sure. Thanks for having me here. Daniel is an expert in his field. And he is going to share some great information with us today around the new paradigm of business. We have evolved greatly over these last, actually, really, if you think about what's been going on um, with the economy over these last few months and COVID, it's really changed the way that we look at business, how we, how we run it, but also our opportunities or not with lending, um, advancing, scaling of businesses and what we're doing around that. So let's start with the mindset that we are seeing between small businesses, because there's a lot of us out there, small business owners, and mid to large cap businesses. And when it comes to lending, when it comes to mindset in general. That's a good starting point. <laughs> I got to be careful because, I mean, a lot of that stuff triggers me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. Dude, it's a, good, it's a good way to get me fired right up. I mean, a lot That's of people, good. they just, small business owners, I find they have a broken mentality around stuff. It's, it, it hasn't even just been months. It's been years, right? It's been, it's been like the early, it's been like mid 2000s type stuff. Like, 2005, 2010, 2015, people have been saying it about how, you know, you got, you got to be online. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do all this stuff. And everybody's like, nope, can't do it. My people aren't there. It doesn't work for me. And now all this stuff hits over the last couple months, COVID. And now people literally have a gun to their head and they have no choice but to do it. Change, damn it. (laughs) Well, exactly. But here's the thing. 
people don't want to change. They're sitting there, they're holding their breath, twiddling their thumbs, and it's putting them out of business. It's not serving them and not doing anything for them because they're, they would rather hold their breath and, and be scared or look to the past saying, I want to go back to how things were. But things and don't things are never going to go back. Yeah, things don't things ever go never backwards. Work. Life is always moving forward. It's always in all things, not just business. Yeah, it's like, it's like marriage. It's like a relationship. Yeah. So many people, like, people will put themselves on, on the rocks with their lover. They want to go back. They want to go back. But the thing is, if they go back to how things were, they're stuck in a cycle of recreating everything that is wrong in their worlds. And, and so that, that focus to go back or they're like, oh, I wish things could go back to the way they were. And they keep re-manifesting all of their problems, the same problems over and over again in different relationships because they're too busy looking into the past on where they wish they were but the as past, opposed to adapting and growing. Adapting, growing. I, I'm very much a believer in the authentic self. And the closer we are to our authenticity and who we really are, the more powerful we are the more we show up in the world and how we show up in the world. If I come at it from 100% me instead of 50% me because I'm super concerned about what you think or, and actually I'm going to full disclosure right now. Um, I've had a lot of things coming up over the last little while about validation, validating that I am an expert or validating that and I think businesses get stuck in this too, right? The validation of, but this has always worked. Or so I'm going to, uh, I'm right. I know I'm right. This has always worked. So why would I need to change it? Validating comes from a place of worth. And it also comes from a place of lack. And we're sitting here talking about mindset with business owners because mindset drives success or, or failure. And I, I never look at failure as failure. I look at failure as an opportunity to grow, adapt, um, pivot, and change until you find the result you want. I, I see failure very much like that. But from a business standpoint, mindset makes or breaks you. And small yep. business owners get caught up very often in their own headspace of, you know, if I'm vulnerable, if I'm, if I have to be validated. Um, and this shows up in a lot of different examples in the way that we run our businesses, what we're willing to do or what we're not willing to do, how much help we're willing to ask for. I think this is a very important point that we are touching on here. Just the mentality around small business is that often we're not asking for help when we need it. Do we get stuck in our own, like small business owners, do we often just get stuck in our own thinking, well, I can't do that. And why? What do you see out there when it comes to small businesses around lending? Oh man, just small businesses in general, even lending, like it blows my mind. I actually had to make a video today that I could start sending to people because I hit my wits end and got so sick and tired of people on social media, media messaging me, especially here in Calgary saying, Hey, Daniel, I really can't wait for things to go back to the way that we, they were so I can get together with you and have a coffee and do this and do that and get to know you and build a business relationship with you. I and I'm like, okay, <laughs> first of all, things are never going to go back to the way they were. They may have a small semblance. Right. Um, and the thing is, those old paradigms, those old business models, they don't work. So you're happy driving 30, 60, 90 minutes to go visit somebody, to feel obligated 
you sit with them for an hour because you traveled this far. Right. And 90% of that time, you're just kicking a can, making small talk that means nothing, sacrificing your productive hours just to hang out with somebody. Do that on your own personal time. Now we're get forcing, now we're shifting to an online model, which I've been embracing and trying to tune, trying to figure it out for myself and get my systems dialed in yeah. uh, for the lending and everything else that I do. But it's now like, okay, so instead of working an eight, 10, 12, 14 hour day, I can sit at home, I can Zoom, I can video call, yep. I can collapse that into almost half the time. Incredible. Now right? I can. Yes, I can spend time with my family. I can spend time with my kids. I can spend time with the people that I care about. And I'm not feeling pressured to work and do all this stuff. And a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to pride, right? Especially when it comes to, comes to ask for help. Like there's, there's a big, the ocean in history has never been so blue. There are no red waters right now because we're in a period of contraction. What happens when we're in a period of contraction? Everybody takes their foot off the gas. They kill their marketing. They kill their spending. They start reducing their overhead. They start firing staff. Now, all of their A players don't trust you anymore. They will never come work for you again. They're going to go to your competitors. So you just lost your teams. Right. There's by killing off, by killing off your marketing, all of the big businesses who understand the value of blue oceans are doubling, tripling, quadrupling their marketing Down. budgets, yep. but they also understand cash is king, credit is queen. Just because I have 50,000, 100,000, a million dollars sitting in cash in my bank account doesn't mean that I should go out and purchase my expenses, do my marketing off of that because I'm going to need that cash. If I need, if something comes up and mm. I need that cash, I need that liquidity. I'm screwed. So I'll go out, I'll borrow the money that I need. I have collateral in case I need to wipe out the loan for whatever reason down the road. Right. I'm maximizing my, my tax deductions because business loans, you can write off all the interest. So they understand that. Whereas small business owners, they're like, Oh, I'm going to freeze and I'm going to hold my breath and I'm going to turtle. And I'm really going to hope that things go back to the way that they were. And then everybody starts complaining because all of the small businesses are going out of business when they're afraid to take action and act like a big business and do what they got to do to survive and scoop up market share. Okay. So let's back up there. Not all, <laughs> I you. Not all small <laughs> business owners are going turtle, turtle, and please let it go back to the way it was. And I, I, I'm always, always reminded of Blockbuster always reminded of Blockbuster and the inability to change in a time of change. Here's a multi-billion dollar business that literally went bankrupt yeah. and didn't see it coming. You know, we see things change. New technologies are coming in. We are in a time of big change right now and it's time to embrace it, celebrate it. Seriously, you made such a beautiful point about the ability to be able to collapse your time because time is money for anybody time is money and trading dollar for hours in comparison doesn't work that doesn't work it keeps you it keeps you in a cycle so i look very much from the online space being an incredible blue ocean such an amazing opportunity to be able to collapse time and use it well travel time. So I was in finance for years before 
And I swear to God, I spent a lot of time in my car. I used to call my car at the university because I was always listening. I always listen to books. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time learning stuff in my car, driving around from appointment to appointment. And now what a gift to someone to be able to just do it over Zoom or just do yeah. it over FaceTime or just do it over whatever platform you're using. What's the difference between a video call and being in person? The only difference is you can't give them a hug or a handshake if you want to. That's right. it. Other than yep. that, it's exactly the same. It's the same. You hear them, you feel them. You, I can see your facial expressions, which is a big yeah. part of the communication too, right? It's not, yep. just, it's not just the words. But being able to adapt in a time like this, so I said, let's go back for a second. Not all small businesses are stuck in this. I, I, I just want it to go back to the way it was. Some really do want to adapt, but they don't know how, right? They're stuck in a, I don't know how, I don't know how to scale myself. And that is the mindset of, but if I spend this money, then there's no more. Instead of leveraging money and the concept around leveraging money, and this is where you and I kind of got into the goods in the pre-interview, we were talking about mid to large cap corps and they understand how to leverage money, how to have your money make money. And you just stated, if I have a hundred thousand or a million dollars sitting in the corporate account and that's my rainy day or that's my whatever, I would go out and borrow money, not use that money because I'm leveraging, I'm leveraging what I have. For a lot of small business owners, they don't understand that. Can you explain that more and how that works? It's man. I always sound like such a capitalist and I, it drives me insane that I sound like <laughs> such a capitalist, but, but I'll back up a couple steps further from that as well. Right. Um, it also comes down to life happens. Stuff is always going to come up, right? It's if you don't have that liquidity, if you don't have that cash on hand and an opportunity comes out to that, you need capital to acquire a client, a large client, start a large project. Um, buy out a competitor, anything like that, financing or doing a, a, doing, a, doing a private capital raise, a public capital raise, or even borrowing money, that stuff can take a week or more. Like on the alternative side, you can get it within a couple of days sometimes, two to four days. You go through a bank, you're waiting, you're getting the runaround for a month or more. If you have an opportunity that you need to pull the trigger on right now and you don't have that liquidity, you're toast. You just lost that opportunity. And a lot of people don't understand that. They don't realize that they get so caught up in, in what's three feet in front of them that they can't mm. see the bigger picture. Whereas you need to, we need to have that balance between here's the big picture and here's the three feet in front of me. So you can make sure that your company's core values, your mission, your flexibility are always in alignment as you're progressing and moving forward. That's what I was going to talk about, profitability. The macro um, a lot micro. of small. Yes, my, micro macro. Yeah. A lot of business owners, um, a lot of small business owners, they also take pride in being a mom and pop shop, all that kind of stuff, which right. is fine. When it comes to the money world, the capital world, there's not a lot that anybody can do to help those people. So they're, they're left on their own because they don't have that desire to scale and grow. So they don't have the cash flow to support a lot of the stuff they want to support. Then they get mad, bitter, upset because nobody's willing to help them, but they're not helping themselves because they want to stay small. And if you, you compare that to the new economy being online, 
um, by, by transition, not only is the mental health of your employees going to be that much better, but your overhead, it, it, even if you have no desire to make more money, by shifting over to an online model, you're increasing your profitability by that much more, by that much bigger of a percent because you don't have that overhead. And technology and the systems and the infrastructure are a lot cheaper. So it always all comes back full circle one way or another. Just people don't look at it. Some industries absolutely will. I agree. Some industries absolutely fall in line with being able to shift online. However, some are just truly brick and mortar. Like when I think about restaurants, that's brick and mortar. Like you can have your menus online and the way that most of these restaurants have adapted in this time is through delivery or curbside pickup. But we still go out. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Those, like a restaurant, a restaurant, I would call that a hybrid model. They have to be a hybrid model, right? Because people are always going to want to go out and eat. But there's also not everybody wants sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes people just want to sit around in their PJs and order a pizza and wear half of it. And so that the, having the delivery and stuff is there's nothing wrong with that. Like certain industries. Yeah. But you still need to be online to be competitive. Like when I'm talking about, like when I'm talking about financing businesses and, and merchant processing and stuff like that with restaurants um, right now, restaurants, the only way for them to get any sort of a loan is to have some sort of delivery or takeout service. Right. Otherwise lenders, nobody's going to look at them. And, and they have to be that, they have to be that way in order to adapt and survive. And like they food have trucks, to. Yeah. food trucks are a huge example. Like I see tons of posts um, online, um, food trucks to stay in business are going to communities acting like ice cream trucks. Oh so how God, the ice cream, brilliant actually. How the, <laughs> yes. How the ice cream <laughs> trucks travel around. So these food trucks are showing up in communities parking letting everybody know that they're there so people can wander out of their house go to the food truck order food and go right back to their house so they're just making rounds and they're collecting mad money because there's no delivery fees it's awesome hello <laughs> well yeah that's again how do you adapt in an environment one where everything has to be either through socials and we're here talking about finance and not talking about finance, but how do you adapt? Right. I think it's brilliant that these food trucks are literally going into communities because they always were kind of known for being in communities, but not so much also more downtown. Right. And downtown's hollowed out right now. We're in Calgary um, and our downtown has been fairly quiet and most people are literally doing meetings and working from home. So I think that's actually really smart. And they're letting people know, I'm guessing, through social media. I'm well, assuming that's here's how they're the doing thing, it. Like, it, all, it all ties into the money game. It all ties into lending. It all ties into financing. Because here's the thing. If you don't, if you're not, if, if you don't have multiple streams, the, the less streams of income that you have, the right. less inclined people are to give you the financial help. And it comes back down to, Nobody help. Nobody will help those that don't help themselves. So the businesses that are thriving right now, the ones who have access to lenders, the ones who have access to venture capital, angel, um, not necessarily angel investors, nobody's, that, that world is tough right now on its own. But the ones who have access to capital by whatever means, they're the ones who have multiple streams of income and they understand how to make money. If you don't know how to make money, Nobody's going to give you any money. 
And that's why I brought up the restaurants because I spent eight years as a chef myself. I had two years in my culinary. I spent a lot of time in that world. And the thing is, is the ones who are going out there and they're diversifying the revenue streams by offering delivery, offering takeout, mm. um, putting food trucks on the road. They're the ones that their heads are above water and, and they're thriving. It, it's the ones who are resistant and would rather close their doors and just wait for things to pass. There, there is going to be no fine. There is no financial aid because it's all based off of cash flow. The better your cash flow is, the more, the more access to other capital you have. Like the banks, the banks are frustrating because um, their credit requirements are quite a, often quite a bit higher. But unless you're doing a million dollars in revenue a year, about a, over a hundred thousand dollars a month, they won't consider you for a term loan or a line of credit. You look at alternative lenders. Like I've got a number of them. If you want a term loan, they'll consider you at $30,000 a month. If you want a line of credit, they'll consider you around $25,000, $30,000 a month. You're not going to get a substantial unsecured credit line by any means, but you have that option and you can, it, you can get renewals and you can get the, get the credit lines, in, the credit limits increased as you grow, but you have more options. But the thing is, is if, you're, don't, if you don't know how to make money, and get yourself to those thresholds or you're inconsistent with your revenue and your revenue is up, down, up, down, up, down every few months, the lenders, like lenders, banks, everybody's going to stay away from you because they're not going to trust you because it, anybody can lie. Anybody can fudge numbers. But when you look at a business's bank account, it's a, it's a business's bank account. It's their financials that says how healthy, how long they're going to be, how healthy they are, how long they're going to be in business what options they have available. So if you lack an ability as a business, as a small business to make money, you don't have those opportunities to leverage anything. Okay. So what would you say to a small? It's more like this. This, this, this is what I see. This is what we were, we were talking about on our phone call there the other day is it's a broken mentality and it really comes down to pride, right? So the small business owners, they limit themselves because they have too much pride and they're not willing to do whatever it takes to go out and hit the thresholds that they want to hit. See a lot of like more often than not, like going out prospecting, doing whatever, talking to small business owners. Oh no, I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a cash only business. I don't, I don't, I, I, they have way too much pride to even consider borrowing money from borrowing money from institutions or anybody. And you can tell that that's a very inexperienced, business owner because they're so scared of, 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 of taking cash injection. Whereas you look at, I, I, you look at like um, half of the me, medium sized businesses out there and you look at the large businesses, the bigger an organization is, the bigger a business is, the more frequently they're talking to banks, lenders, investors, they're, they're doing capital raises all the time because they understand that their cash on hand is only going to get them so far. So they, they have no problem going out and borrowing money in order to keep growing and scaling and hitting their targets and benchmarks that they've set for themselves. Whereas the small business owners, they, they tend to, like especially the new and inexperienced ones, they're just scared to even, even consider that as an option to help them grow to where they want to be. Part of that it too, is, just though, weird. is that small businesses, okay, so I'm plumber, I'm a plumber. And I've been working for a plumbing company for a long time. And I decide one day, you know what? I think I want to go do this solo. 
I got a lot of experience. People are telling me, like trying to hire me all the time. And so I'm going to go solo, but I don't have the business background. I have the expertise, right? So I'm coming at business from an expertise in the trade in this case, in this example. And I think that that's one of the <laughs> great and, and double-edged swords of a small business owner. A lot of times there's just a lack of, a lack of training, a lack of knowledge around how to help themselves grow into the next level. And then some, I know some of these, um, some that say, but it's too much work. It's too much work to grow this to the next level. I don't want to do that. You know what? I'm fine if I'm just bringing home, you know, 300, 200,000, whatever it is, whatever their number is. You know, it's fine if I just bring that home a year. I'm good. It's, I mean, that opens up a whole other set of, of tangents and stuff like that. Um, I mean, there's, there's a tons of, there's a ton of ways to acquire those skills. You got, you, you can go to school, which I don't believe in proving myself to a piece of paper. Um, so I don't <laughs> totally recommend agree. college, university, none of that, but so you have, but coaches, you need to be willing have, to learn. Yes. So that's why you have coaches, you have masterminds, you yep. can find people who are in the space. Yes. You can find people that are in the space that you want to be in, who have the lifestyle that you want to have. And more often than not, you can pick up the phone and call them mm -hmm. and you can ask them to coach you. You can ask them to mentor you, or you could say, Hey, can I take you, can I take you out for coffee for 15 minutes? Can I buy you lunch? Yeah. Or, Hey, can I spend 15 minutes on the phone call with you? Because this is where I'm at in life. This is where I want to go. Can I pick your brain more often than not? Those people will be more than happy to sit down and have a conversation with you one way or another, even if it's a phone call, because guess what? People look at them doing all this extravagant stuff and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm too scared to talk to this person or pick up the phone. They would love nothing more than to give to the world and share their knowledge, but nobody ever has the balls to do it. And if they do go out of their way to share their knowledge and expertise with somebody, the person who's receiving it goes, oh my gosh, this person probably wants something from me. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, how am I gonna ever pay this back? And, and they just they, they just run away. It's, it's a totally, totally different thing. But here's the thing, the other thing that, the other thing, and, and we, I talk about this often, often with people, uh, mostly people who are way beyond this stage, because this is a common mindset trap that everybody goes through when they're first starting out in business, is we have this preconceived notion, and part of it is pride, part of it is whatever, you probably have a better term for it than I do, um, but they, they have this, we have this preconceived notion that we have to do everything ourselves. We don't have to do everything ourselves. It is not, it is not an expense to go out and hire somebody, because guess what? If you hire somebody that has, has the skills that you feel you lack, you're going to 2x, 5x, 10x, 20x yes. your revenue by working with them and bringing them on. It doesn't matter whether they're a manager. It doesn't matter whether they're a frontline worker. It doesn't matter whether or not they're a janitor. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I've just literally had this conversation on another episode um, where we were talking about when you focus on what you're really good at and then hire out the rest. So yeah. if I am exceptional 
at one thing, be exceptional at that thing, and bring in other people to wear the other hats. Now, as a small business owner who's starting out, what do you say to them when they say, but I've got no money to pay for that person. I know I need them. I know it would make my business so much better, but I don't have the money. I don't know what to do. This is that catch 22, right? I don't have the money to do that. I know I need to do that. I know it will help my business and it will 10X your business, by the way. Stop focusing on all the things that make you mediocre because your business will be that too. It will be mediocre instead of exceptional. When we focus on the things that we are exceptional at, the things that you're really interested in, you will excel like no one's business. Like yeah. no one's business. Hire out the things that are not your strengths. However, no. okay, so small business owner says, but I don't have the money to do that. What do I do? I mean, there are a ton of options. One thing I'll, I'll kind of, because this will slip my mind. I've t I talk to people all the time who have some sort of a revenue barrier a year yeah. of just like $100,000. They can't break it. They That's can't break cap. it. They can't break it. Yep. They suck it's it up. They ceiling. go out. Yeah, they go out. They suck it up. They go out. They hire an assistant. Now they're making $300,000 a year. But they had convinced themselves for so long that they didn't have the money to do it because they didn't know where they weren't managing their financials to know what they were doing with their money. Even then, okay, great. You're, you're, you're just starting out. You're making two or $3,000 a month and you're getting super butthurt because nobody's going to, nobody's, nobody wants to help you. No, you can't get the financial support that you want. It's because you're looking in the wrong places. Like one, one of my lenders, I'm so happy about this. I just got word yesterday. We finally relaunched our home equity department. So now we can do now for business owners, as long as they've got equity in, in, in any of their real estate, we can take out a second mortgage and give them no payments for 12 months. That's an amazing so, option. So now if you're just starting out, because it's not revenue based, it's not cash flow based, it's equity based and secured against your property, mm -hmm. you can suck it up, you can go out and you can get that loan. Okay, so uh, construction would that be companies. Let's say, again, I'm plumber, right? I'm just going to go with him for, or her for this time. I'm this plumber and I want to expand. Could I, would I get that same option from the bank or would I need to go to a, more of a private lender source like you? You could facilitator for, for something like that. Like for, for that, you could go to a bank. Um, but even then, actually, no, you can't, I, I'm not familiar. I don't think any banks will actually do a second mortgage on a home. That's all. Second mortgages are in the alternative lending world. So you can refinance, you can refinance your mortgage and take out equity. Right. You, but you can't, they won't give you a second mortgage on the house. Right. Right. So this, you, you have, you, you have two positions on your house is all it is. Yep. I used a second mortgage when I first went into real estate investment and it worked beautifully. It was the second mortgage was literally paid off in 30 days, but it was the difference between buying the first property that made $50,000 in three weeks or not. Yeah. Yeah. Opportunities yes. are always knocking. And we're in a time well, when we don't think there's a lot of opportunity. There's crazy opportunity right now. Well, absolutely. And like, um, take construction, like construction companies, a lot of the equipment, aside from tools, a lot of the equipment they may or may not need is going to be over 15 or $20,000. Yeah. 
you can take out an equipment loan on all that kind of stuff. If you're a, con uh, which is basically the same concept as getting, going to a car dealership and getting a, getting a car loan, right? The other thing you can do is if you've been in business for a little bit, your revenue isn't quite where you need it to want it to be, but you have equipment over fifteen, twenty thousand dollars as an appraisal value, you can go out and use that as collateral and get fifty to seventy percent of the appraisal value. So if you've got if you've got um say you've got a CDC machine or something like that, and that, that's valued at at Fifty, seventy thousand dollars. Say it's fifty for even numbers. You can get twenty-five, thirty-five thousand dollars. It just means that if you're not paying the loan, they're going to take your CDC machine, right? And they're going to file fire sale it off at an auction. But like, there's there's always ways to get money, and the banks don't always have access to this kind of stuff. And some of the like, not every program is going to be an appropriate fit for every single business, right? Like, I mean, unless you're a restaurant, a construction company, a brewery, stuff like that, you're probably not going to be able to access equipment loans because those things aren't yeah, going to be that them. valuable. You're, you're, yeah, whatever you need for your trade isn't going to be that valuable. But which opens up other things like invoice financing, factoring, that kind of stuff too. What about like research and development or things like that? So I don't know plumber won't work in this one <laughs> well or maybe it does maybe plumber now has i'm a plumber and i now have my business up and running and i now have four plumbers underneath me and i'm running the business now i'm not actually in it and i want to i want to expand this business i want to it's not about equipment mm, i want to develop my my people i want to bring them to the next level i want to i don't know what would i do if that's I come way to you. different than R and D. <laughs> <laughs> that that's way different than R and D. But I mean, you got tons of options. You can you can take out a merchant advance. Um, if you have real estate, you can you can use that as leverage. Um, if you're on the commercial side, you can um, you might have access to like factoring. But other than that, it's really going to be like merchant. For a plumber, it's going to be like merchant cash advances, term loans, or line of credit, so long as you're over the twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month mark. Other than that, you're going to have to have some skin in the game and go for secured loans and put up some assets. Right. Whether it's personal or otherwise. Do you find a lot of businesses, um, small businesses especially, I would imagine that they would all be personalizing, like all these loans would be backed personally. The personal credit is always going to factor into loans. It, it always does. Until you There's, hit a certain size? No, it, it always to some sort of a degree factors in. So if I'm a million dollar plus a year company, it's still like I'm still on the personal credit side? It's still going to be, it's still going to be huh. partly based off of your personal credit. See, and I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's no way around it. So, yeah, we were it's an talking, interesting game. It is an interesting game. And we've kind of had some preludes here into the banks only cover things like term loans and some collateral back loans. And what was the other one? Uh, term loan and line of credit. And line of credit. Um, 
so that's what you can kind of expect from the bank. But what are some of the other ways to access funding? Would like when you're dealing with outside brokers like you, what are people, what options do they have? That's what I'm trying to so say. So if you're, if you've got a expensive equipment you need to purchase, mm -hmm. look into equipment loans. Yep. If you've got expensive equipment that is free and clear, that has no liens on it, you can leverage that to borrow money. If you're a so medical service loans. Yeah. Right. So that would, that would be your secured loans. Yep. If you're say, so if you're in the, if you're in the business to business world, um, uh, if you're in the business to business world, certain areas in the medical field and you have your clients on net 30, 60, 90, or depending on the lender, 120 day payment terms, yep. the most expensive money is always going to be money that you can't access. So if you're, if you're, if your cash flow is tied up in invoices that aren't getting paid for 30, 60, 90 days, there's programs called factoring or invoice factoring. So you can get up to 80, 90% of the value of those invoices paid to you upfront. Done. It's secured against off. It's secured against off your receivables. Um, so then that factors into accounts, receivable loans as well. Um, certain industries can take advantage of those. You can finance invoices. So if you're making a large supply or inventory purchase and you a don't have necessarily have the cash on hand or you, it's going to hit your liquidity too much, you can finance the invoice. So you can go out and buy those supplies. Um, you got merchant cash advances, which are cash flow based and secured off the daily cash flow of your business. Uh, and those are typically daily or weekly payments on those. Um, there's a lot of options. That sounds like there's a lot of options. And that's good to know because honestly, I would have thought that everything was relatively the same and that you didn't have access to all these things. And then I think, okay, so is there... I'm guessing you don't play in the world of um, grants, funding, things like that, like government grants or things that will help a business from that area. Like I know research and development, you can get grants for that. A lot of that stuff is fairly specialized and fairly niche. And a lot of that stuff I'm not overly familiar with. Mm -hmm. And I always have, I always have issues when it comes to government programs i'm not the most trusting of government programs all they though they do have a use like the states right now and even our loans right now like all the disaster relief loans and stuff like that for businesses yep. like this like the states is having a major fiasco with those like business like big businesses that it's not intended for are eating up all of those loans and um having to pay those back um there's the, the government always excludes people that they feel cannot or do not help themselves. So trying to rely on government programs, trying to rely on government grants, mm -hmm. it, in my mind, it, it doesn't work. Like it, it, it works for some people, but it just, I have a hard time seeing value in that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But even then, even then on my side of the fence, more of the traditional lending routes, um, even then each program is designed to exclude people. They're, they're all this, they're all designed to exclude people in one way or another. <laughs> From what I heard, liquidity right now is it's just kind of reminds me of 2000, 
eight and nine to some extent that as much as money is supposed to be flowing, it's not really flowing. Is that true? It's just, it's what I've heard that it's not so easy to access money right now. It is a lot harder. Um, so when it comes to unsecured loans, yeah, good luck. Take a hike. <laughs> like that, that, that's not happening. I, I was talking to one of my lenders yesterday. Uh, we're working. Oh man, I got to call him today too, because I just got uh, something came. I'm working on a, I'm working on a, so I'm working on an equipment loan right now for $210,000. Mm -hmm. We just found out yesterday it wasn't disclosed that it's actually U.S. price, so I've got to go back to my like my lender. Just over more than that, yeah. It's the yeah, two ten plus whatever forty one percent is the, the the dollar exchange is like one point four one right now. So that's like yeah, that's quite a substantial difference that they have got to underwrite the loan on. Mm -hmm. um, so like unsecured loans are those things are flying off the shelf right now. Like your invoice financing, factoring, accounts receivable, um, the the home equity loans, that kind of stuff Secured is hot. Loans. It's doing very well. But you want to talk unsecured loans, um, like because we were talking about that, trying to because they need labor. Um, they're purchasing a bunch of brewery equipment, mm -hmm. um, so they need to. They also need to cover their labor costs, installation costs, and stuff like that. Which the equipment loans don't help with that. That's purely equipment. And we were talking about the unsecured loans and I'd already known this, but it's always kind of cool to hear it from the lenders too. They're like, yeah, they're like, so say you got a restaurant needing a hundred thousand dollars on the unsecured side. Yeah. You're lucky to see them get 10% of that. You're lucky to see them get $10,000 right now. Even if they have the cash flow to support it, yeah. the amount of money on the unsecured side that's getting lent is considerably less right now, but also that terms are shorter. The terms are inside of six months now. And even then a lot of, a lot of lenders, um, like I am, my lending pool is substantially reduced right now because some lenders won't even process new business. They just won't accept it. And other ones, they won't even accept or process renewals. So if you got a renewal coming up on your loan, they, a lot of them won't even look at that until things are blowing over. So the caveat is because it's all cash flow based and everybody is taking such a hit. Well, a lot of these programs are cash flow based on six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. It's by the time, once we finally get out on the other side of this, it's going to be at least six to 12 months before people's cash flow is good enough to, right. to be able to support unsecured loans. Take it one step further. It's probably going to be a lot more than 12 months because consumer confidence is way down. Nobody wants consumers consumers have a hard time spending money right now and it's going to take a while before they're comfortable opening up their wallets business as usual whatever you want to call it right so it's we're not just waiting for things to open back up it comes down to when are going to people going to be feeling more confident to spend more money but the caveat to that because there's always a caveat it depends on which one of my circles that I'm in and that I'm talking to because if I look at coaching groups and masterminds that I'm in a lot of these people are doing better than they ever have done in their entire lives in their businesses. Like one of uh, one friend of mine, he's a, he's a physical trainer. He owns a private gym yep. and our coach, our mentor was like, yeah, man, like you, for, for at least 10 years, he's been like, he's been saying, this mentor been saying you got to be online. You got to be online. You got to be online. 
So this poor guy, he's been, he's been making videos, tutorial videos. He's been launching online classes, getting no traction, getting no traction, beating himself up. COVID hits, he's making 20, 30 times the amount of money that he's ever made in his life in a single month. That's awesome. Because he was positioned and ready for it. So it depends. Like when I'm, when I'm looking at my coaching and mastermind groups and, and, and I'm talking to people back there, a lot of us are doing way better than we've ever done in our lives because we've been positioned and, and, we've, been, and we've been doing the work or we've decided to roll up our sleeves and start doing the work now and it's paying off. Whereas I look at people outside of these select circles and everybody's like, no, my wallet is zipped, locked and thrown in the bottom of the ocean and I will retrieve it at some point when I feel comfortable. And they're drowning themselves in the process. That's again, the difference between seeing opportunity and freezing in the fear. Yep. The state of lack. Right now we're in a contraction, so it feels lacking, right? The ocean has never been more blue. <laughs> it hasn't. It's it, the ability to adapt. A lot of people struggle with the ability to adapt, especially this quickly, because this was kind of thrown in. It wasn't like a, hey, you know, you have the next six months, you have the next year, we're going to start moving in this direction. It was like, shut your doors tomorrow, this is done. <laughs> yeah. And then you get... And all those people that have been online for the past five, 10 years saying that it's do or die, you got to get online. And everybody's like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're, you're a scam artist. It'll never happen. Brick and mortar is always going to have a place in society. Now those people are just sitting there going, yeah, I've been telling you this for five, 10 years. And I don't know what to tell you now. <laughs> I'm just trying to think like there's got to be Okay, so for all of you small business owners out there, all of you small business owners, and all of you small business owners that want to see the opportunity, you don't want to get stuck in this rat race. You don't want to be stuck in the brick and mortar, or how do you adapt, or how do you access? Because I think this is, today we're talking about financing and how to get it. So how do you move past that mindset I love this because mindset's my thing. <laughs> How do you move past that mindset of, um, of lack, of limits, and shift into the possibilities? Okay, so I'm super stuck and I have no access to cash. I have no access to cash because I'm a small business and I'm not making twenty five, thirty thousand a month. And I don't have I don't have collateral, so I can't do a secured loan. So what would you recommend? You sit with this small business owner, you have this conversation, you know that they have a good idea or that their business is good in brick and mortar. What do you recommend to them when you're sitting with them? I, 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 should, I should say that I probably should, I know I should have said this like way sooner in the conversation. I love small businesses. I want to see everybody <laughs> win. I want to see everybody succeed. I just realized my back kind of sounds like I'm bashing them and putting them down a lot here. No, I like, I love everybody. I want to see them succeed. But um, at the end of the day, if that's a situation, there really isn't that much. There, there are no options really depending on the business model. Right. Um, like if, if that's really what it comes down to um, for a lot of business owners, there aren't, there aren't any options. Like they're, they're past the point of no return there. Um, if there's if there's no collateral, there's and they're not in a business 
um, in a line of work to have like receivables or stuff like that to use as collateral, yep. it doesn't work. Like, cause you can't use inventory as collateral either because having to go out and fire sale clothes and knickknacks and stuff like that, they're not going to touch it. It's low ticket items. Right. Right. Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff, it comes down to, it comes down to do whatever you can do to double down on your marketing, get in, get in, like, that's all you can do. Double down, triple down, quadruple down on your marketing and keep getting in front of people. You can do it online for free on social media. It, it doesn't cost anything to open it, to be on Facebook. It doesn't cost anything to be on Instagram or LinkedIn and get out there and network. And the other thing too, yep. yeah, Pinterest. The other thing too, prepare your damn credit. <laughs> and, and a lot, a, I find a lot of those business, a lot of those, a lot of those business owners, I find they're, they, they, they're not even taking care of their credit at the same time. So it, it, once they get to those thresholds, a lot of the time you pull their credit, it's like, can't do anything with a 500 credit, sorry. Or they have a 550 credit score and they're looking at like a, a cash advance because that's their only option, um, even though those are non-existent right now. And then they're wondering why they're paying like 30, 40, 50% interest on the loans, right? Mm -hmm. It's because, so this, this, if, if you have absolutely zero options in the world right now, you still have two. repair your credit. <laughs> if, if your credit is an issue, repair your credit and two, sign up for social media and dedicate as much time as humanly possible to learning how to utilize social media for free and get out there. And you don't have to be on every single platform. Actually, I you recommend just, you're not on every single platform. No, Find your you, one. You, yeah, one, even three. One, two, yeah, like three tops. That's all you really need. Find your ideal clients and what platform are they on? Where are they hanging out? Mm -hmm. And just spend the majority of your time sitting on their marketing, speaking to them. And, and speak to them and show that, you are human show that hey i'm just like you and once things start opening back up you will reap the benefits but the thing is if you haven't been taking care of that stuff when times are good you're definitely not going to be taking care of it when times are bad <laughs> so that that's the other caveat that we that that i see consistently is a lot of those business owners um, like I've, I've all the time I talk to business owners who have been in business for three to five years and they're not even breaking $2,000 a month. They're still in their, they're still running their day-to-day -day operations. They're still working in their business and they have maybe an assistant and a helper and they're mad because nobody's willing to help them. It's because they haven't, they haven't been doing what they need to do to market, to actually build their business. And because they weren't doing it, when things are good, they're even less inclined to do them now that things are bad. So there, it's, it's unfortunate, block. but there is no helping. But it, it's and, a mental block, right? It's the, I've tried that before, it didn't work. I've tried that before and it didn't work is often I tried something and need to tweak it or, it's, or I need to be more consistent or there's a lot of factors that come into why something isn't working. That's why I was going to say it's a consistency thing. It's, it's, it's not that it didn't work. It's okay. I like, think of this. 
we we all know this guy. We all know that guy where this week he's with Isagenics and he's going to have a Lambo in six months. Next week he's a real <laughs> he's a real estate agent and he's going to have a monopoly on commercial real estate. And then the week after he's with World Financial Group and mm-hmm. he's going to have his own financial. It, the yeah. thing is, is people aren't. It's a. It really comes down to consider. You can't do something for a week and expect it to pay off. One of the best things that I learned from one of my mentors was the actions that you take today in your business are not going to pay you until 12 months down the road or more. And he beats that up all the time with marketing. That's one of his themes when it comes to marketing and put yourself, putting yourself out there mm-hmm. and 12 months or more is extreme. If you're doing, if you're a quick learner, you can make it happen in three months. You can make it happen in six months, but Sometimes the reality you can make it is happen in 30 days, it just well, depends exactly. on what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. And how consistent you are and how much time you're going to dedicate to learn. It all comes down to communication. If you're, it, sometimes it does take people over a year to learn how to communicate their message properly. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all have our own gestate. Learning anything is a gestational process and it takes time. But that mentor, like, because I I got mad for the longest time about marketing not working for me. And I'm like, man, I just wasted $5,000 on freaking Facebook. I'm going to lose my shit. Like, screw you, Facebook. You money grubbing worse than my ex. And like, all that kind of stuff. And lots of evil experiences where they're like, Facebook ads don't work. It's more yeah. often because you haven't got your message toned, like tuned in. And I find this, your message, and I will say like, honestly, this has been, this has been an interesting lesson for myself as well. Your message is about what is authentic to you. When you figure out who you are and what you're bringing, that message becomes extremely clear. You know exactly who you're talking to. You know how to talk to them because you know who your ideal client is, who you're magic client is. And when I say that, the perfect client is the one that you can help. But here's the, here's the thing. And that wants your help. <laughs> here's the thing though. Every single day of our lives, we see well over 4,000 pieces of marketing. Of course. We see over 4,000 marketing messages every single day. I'm drinking a rock star. Here's a marketing message. I like Spartan racism, physical activity. Here's a Spartan logo. Here's an Onnit logo. I'm in an Onnit challenge. Here's a Brita logo on my water bottle. We, that's just around my immediate, my desk, let alone what we see on social media everywhere else. Right. So a lot of business owners, they'll, they'll throw something up. They'll let it sit for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, get mad that it's not working. And they're pull out. Well, the thing is, is it takes time to build rapport. It takes time to build trust. It takes time to build familiarity and use that example that I used of that one friend that we all know that never sticks with anything. Mm. Everybody has dozens of those friends and family in their lives. There we're so used to people sticking their toe in and leaving, sticking their toe in and leaving. So what happens is we all think that we all just pin that onto everybody that we see all the time. We see an ad once and we don't think about it. We see it a second time. Maybe we see the person's name. 
we see it again. Maybe we watch the subtitles on the video for the next couple seconds, for a couple seconds. It takes, before anybody is willing to take action to you, with you, it takes over 24 touch points. Incredible. Most people only give it two or three touch points before they give up and they walk away. Uh, my mentor, the first mentor I ever hired, he set the bar high for who I hire for mentors and, and coaches because he exceeds, he, he goes above and beyond for everybody all the time. Um, for him and his business, it takes a bare minimum of six months before somebody pays him. People, he, he, he met, like, his, you need to track everything. What gets measured gets improved. Yeah. And just for him and his business, people on people at the bare minimum spend six months following him before they trust him enough to even buy one of his low end products for $200. It's not a him. It's not exclusive to him. It's exclusive to every single one of us. And without that consistency of being online every single day, all day, it's never going to take off the way that you want it to. And you're just postponing your ability to get access to that capital that much longer. Because you're you not just said, I have to be online all the time, every day. I love that you're saying this. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a business owner and that's not my thing. Like I'm not a social media business owner. Like that's not my industry. I'm a plumber. So for to me be. to be online every day, and there's tricks to this, right? If you're going to be online, be consistent, send a consistent message. Don't be talking about one thing one day and something else the other day. And they have no correlation whatsoever because you confuse your audience. So be consistent. Be consistent with times. I send out a newsletter every week and it comes out at the same time. Same time, same time, same time. People know exactly when they're getting yeah. that newsletter. And I, I see when they open those, the newsletter and it's pretty consistent with certain people. They are always opening it at the exact same time. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's something to be said about one consistency. And I mean, like, keep consistent message, keep consistent times. And you don't have to post 20 times a day. You don't. You don't have to be on social media all the time. You can take five minutes to record a quick video or um, post something that's valuable to your audience. So if, if you want to talk strategy, here's a brilliant strategy. Um, and, and I took this, like my mentor preaches this all the time. He used to charge people $25,000 for six months of coaching just to teach them this. And you really, okay, so Facebook and LinkedIn, you really only need to post two times a day. That's it. Post once in the morning, once in the evening. Start a Facebook group for whatever it is that you do. Start a Facebook, start a Facebook group for, like, if you're a plumber, you, you can start a, a home repair Facebook group. Say you're, you're a plumber in downtown Calgary. You can, or downtown doesn't really work because that's a lot of apartments. Um, go There's with a like, lot of plumbing go, in apartments. <laughs> yes, but Heating you're not going to be, a, it's not going to be a do it yourself thing. Um, um, so pick like Seton or something like that. Do it yourself home renovations around, around Seton and start film, film yourself. I, there's actually, I have a plumber on LinkedIn. I forget his name. Um, he's always going around to job sites 
and he'll film himself doing repairs. He'll film himself talking about what's wrong with whatever he's looking at or fixing when he's on calls. And then he, po- he, he posts it online. It, he's going about his day, living his life. Like and he he's normally just would. He's just filming Taking it. footage and putting it online. But here's the thing. So you get the group. Add five people to your group a day and add five people to your CRM a day. You, so if you add, if you just make a couple posts online and you, you engage in your group and stuff like that, and and you let it build up and you only focus on the metric of five people a day, that's 25 people a week. If you're just working Monday to Friday, that's hundreds and hundreds of people by the end of the year that you've added to your CRM that now you can email to once a week, once a month, whatever. Like it doesn't, we don't. We don't have to look at this stuff and go, oh, I got to go so big. Less is more. You, you, you did post, post twice a day. Focus on finding two people as you go. Focus on finding five people as you live your life to add into your CRM. Your business will explode a lot sooner than later for pretty much free. And if you start a group based around projects for whatever it is that, that you're into and you share your knowledge and stuff in there, of the people who want to call themselves do it DIYers um, for for a lot of trades, they're going to see what you have to do. And they're going to go, I ain't dealing with that. I'm just going to call this guy to do it for me. And then your phone's going to start ringing. I was talking to a guy who sells cut coat knives and he's like, how do I add five people to my CRM a day? How do I do this? I'm like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to Costco. You're going to buy a sirloin or a strip loin steak. You're going to bring it home, throw it on your counter, start recording a live video, trim the meat, cut the meat up into little steaks, demonstrate the knives, throw it in groups of, throw it in mom groups, throw it in family groups, throw it in community groups around you. Just show off the knives doing stuff that you would do every single day anyways. The only difference is you're doing it in front of a camera right now and it's free marketing. Oh man, seriously? That's so simple. Why didn't I think it? It works with any trade. It works with any business. Just find something that if you find it cool and you're passionate about it, record yourself doing it and just share it. Even your hobbies, throw throw a couple hobby posts in there. Throw stuff of you being out there with your family. Live your life like you normally would. Just showcase ask showcase it online. Good, bad, and different, ugly doesn't matter. And people will come. They'll resonate with you and they will come. Excellent advice, Daniel. Excellent advice. Um, so we want a lot of tangents. <laughs> <laughs> we did talk about a lot of different stuff today. We talked about financing and how unless you're in certain positions, really financing is tough to get. Um, but these are options to help build your business. This kind of the latter part of our conversation today has really been around um, if you're in the less than 25000 a month, these are ways to start building your audience, building your, building your clients. And please always, always know that sales, regardless of what industry you're in, sales are in alignment of the right person with what you have. They want to buy it because you're offering something with value. And your marketing wow. is letting them know <laughs> that it's when what was- they want. When I was a financial planner, my clients taught me a very valuable lesson because before I got into business financing, I was doing life insurance, health insurance, mutual funds, and private equity. 
I had all of those licenses. That sounds so like private that. equity <laughs> is, yeah, private equity, I don't know if your viewers know, is raising capital for private companies. And it's more for high net worth investors, high net worth clients, right? Um, and there was a couple times where, you know, it's just, I was with the wrong brokerage or the wrong firm. Their values were not in alignment, in alignment with mine. Mm -hmm. And I needed to leave. I sometimes had non-compete sign, so I couldn't actively approach my clients and say, hey, but my clients would get letters in the mail saying that I left and they were, they would be, a new advisor would be calling oh, yeah. them. This happened twice. And they would pick up the phone or send me an email and go, Daniel, what the heck is going on in your world? I'm like, legally, I'm not allowed to approach you. But hey, since you approached me, this is what's going on. And I'm like, and, and they, they all said to me, one, one client, man, I, I, this guy was so awesome. He's like, Daniel, he's like, I don't care about your flag. I don't care about your banner. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care about the color of your skin. I don't care what corporate you're working for. He's like, I know you. I like you. I trust, I trust you. you. The only time you've ever let me down is when I called you on April Fool's Day and you pretended like you deleted all my money out of my account and lost it and I was ready <laughs> to kill you. He's like, but we have fun together. He's like, I don't care where you go. I don't care what you do. I don't care what banner or flag is behind you. I do business with you for you because I like the way you operate. And I was like, holy crap. I was like, I just spent five years being concerned about the flag that's behind me. Mm. Meanwhile, my clients are going, Daniel, we love you for you. People like, do why? business with who they like. Yes. So yes. And it ties right back to what it is. Just, just be yourself and put yourself out there. I get in trouble now lately. I get in trouble for my peers all the time. Daniel, you're too risque. You're too <laughs> edgy. You're too out there. People aren't going to trust you with their SID numbers or their social security numbers and, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm just me. I'm like, if I, sometimes I drop an F-bomb and if I get passionate, I might curse like a sailor. I have sometimes vulgar humor. I have like, I, I, sometimes I make memes that are, I put up a meme yesterday um, or the other day. Um, that one where that, that I can't, I don't even know who the celebrity is, but he's standing over the grave with the peace sign or whatever that's know. floating around with a bunch of different iterations on the tombstone i wrote big banks and then him i put alternative lenders <laughs> and so many people just and like my peers are like oh my gosh that's too risky that's too risky meanwhile i'm like meanwhile people are loving that going oh this is awesome they're like i can't believe you just bashed the banks like that i'm like i didn't really mean it to bash the banks was, if you just be you and you put your little spin on the like that's all people want. They, we do business with human beings. So ignoring the fact that we're human and not showcasing ourselves just shoots ourselves in the foot. That says a lot about By vulnerability best, too though, right? People being well, afraid yeah, to be too. vulnerable. I don't, see, I don't like that word either. I'm like, I, I, I don't, I don't. strength and vulnerability. <laughs> I don't use vulnerable. I use authenticity. Yeah. The thing is, is like, and, and I, I use the lion, I use a lion analogy for that. Like, okay, a lion is injured. You're going to know the lion is injured, but he is still the strongest beast in the animal kingdom. He is still the most powerful beast in the animal kingdom. And he is going to let you know that he is still 
number one. And even though, even though he's injured, even though he's weak, he's still approaching his world, his life from a position of strength, power, and authenticity. Whereas a lot of people take the word being vulnerable for a lot of people when they hear vulnerable, they think, oh, I got to be weak. I got to expose myself to attack. Well, a lion doesn't expose itself to attack when it's vulnerable. You, so I, I try and stay right. away from, from the vulnerable world. Where I look at the word vulnerable from this place. So I, it's around perfection, right? If I'm not perfect, I'm vulnerable. And we often perfection. have to put out, uh, we also, like as business owners, often we're putting out this per- perfect image of who we are or that we're the perfect expert or this is, we're the perfect company for you to work with. We never, ever screw up. We're human you gotta beings. Own, you got to own that, man. You we screw up. It. There's power in it. Yes. There's that's what I'm saying. Around, there is massive power around vulnerability. So, and I, and I agree. Authenticity is just being unapologetically you. Just yeah, be you mean that and own it. Weak. And if you screw up, own that too. It's okay to screw up. That's how we learn. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, I always, I've been throwing this out a lot lately because this theme has been coming up with a lot of people. There, a lot of small business owners, especially right now, they're so worried about everything being perfect. Yeah, I think perfectionism is the manifestation of fear and procrastination. That's it. We hide behind perfectionism because we're scared to take action. So, in order to get around that, you follow the eighty percent rule. Plan for 80% sex, success, 80% success, 80% <laughs> confidence, 80, set the bar at 80%. Because if you plan for 100%, you're never going to take action. If you yep. plan for 100%, you're going to be so committed to the path that you're not going to be flexible and adaptable. And not only that, but so that, that's it. Just plan for 80% because guess what? We're human and stuff's going to go sideways and we're going to mess up and we need margin for error. So instead of focusing on everything being perfect and everything being at 100%, if you focus on that 80% threshold, you're going to surpass your benchmark marks each and every single yeah. time because you're open to the feedback loops as you're going. And you're going to see where you need to make those pivots and adjustments. Uh, yeah, where you need to, often it's tweaks. And it's interesting because I was literally just having this conversation not even two days ago around perfectionism. And I was a filmmaker years ago before I had kids. And then I went into finance after kids. So, but back in film days, I will never forget this. I had a film that actually did really well on the Canadian and US um, film festival uh, markets. And that film, when I shot it, I will never forget the editing process. Because at one point, (laughs) I seriously, we could have spent the next three years in edits. Because, you know, you're like, oh, but we could do this. This could be a little bit better here. This could be better here. And there comes a point where you have to recognize that things can be good enough. And I, I, oh, there's, it rubs me so wrong sometimes around the good enough. But sometimes it can be good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. And there's beauty in imperfection. And there's connection with other people and your perfect clients or your pers- perfect business opportunity. There's beauty and such incredible opportunity in that imperfection. Yeah. So always feeling like it has fast. to be perfect often means it never goes anywhere. 
yeah, yeah. you're right about the whole marriage between procrastination and per, like perfection is what did you say the manifestation i think it's a marriage <laughs> a procrastination perfectionism is and the fear. manifestation of fear and procrastination yeah I, I would call it the marriage because it is, it's fear at its finest and it's, it's stopping you from doing what you really, really want to do. And it stops you from being authentic. You too. Yeah, exactly. Just, and I mean, people, people understand human. Like they'd be surprised. Yeah. Like I was, um, and they forgive and human I, a lot more than you would ever imagine when you say, you know what, well, I screwed do. up like, and, and this is what I'm going to do to, this is what I'm going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again. People often will be like, that sucks. Yep. Didn't like that, but I, I can live with that. Let's move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, I think I brought this up. I think I told you about this the other day. I, I know I, I talked to, to somebody about this one recently. Um, I went out and decided to try something outside of finance for a bit and, and start a, a digital marketing agency and um, which was great. Within eight months, I scaled from $1,500 contracts to fifteen dollars to $30,000 contract. Like that was just the setup fee to start building these programs. So I went to working with like, like solo producers, solo salespeople to working with businesses that are doing millions of dollars a year in production. And as, as we were we, like eight months, that's pretty far Fast. to grow. Yeah. Like, so I fell short in a lot of areas. My team couldn't keep up and we didn't have the infrastructure to support the larger clients and the larger contract. Cause it went from just running Facebook ads to automating and streamlining all of their processes, yeah. like business process automation. And so what happened is I ended up falling. We, I, I fell flat on my face and I, I, I went, as soon as it started to happen, I started blaming the team. I'm like, you guys are like, these guys are all idiots. They don't know what they're doing. They can't keep up. Then I'm like, wait a minute, I got to own this stuff. And like, so we were going back and forth. Like I was going back and forth with all the clients and stuff like that. And basically at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, no, I screwed up. Like I went too far. I went too fast. I got ahead of myself. I was like, we, we can't support, we can't support, like we don't have the infrastructure or anything. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Everybody's overwhelmed. I'm like, this is where I called everybody up and I'm like, I'm done. We're closing up shop. I'm going back to where I'm happy back to finance, blah, 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 blah. I owned it. I called everybody. I never lost one relationship through it all. All of those clients that all of those clients that were mad, that were missing deadlines that were, that were everything, just calling them up and saying, Hey, you know what? I screwed up. Things didn't go the way as planned. I'm sorry. And I just put everything out on the table. And I said, now that you, now that it's all here out on the table, what do you want to do? How do you want to proceed? And I, I never, I didn't lose any, I didn't lose one relationship at the end of it. I'm still good. I, in fact, I've actually have stronger relationships with all those people now from, from going through that as mad as, as mad as we all were at the time. Right. It's kind of interesting too, because you just talked about how important it is to scale yourself when you're scaling, right? So your business was scaling to larger clients who needed more from you and you didn't scale yourself. It's, it was like, it is, it is very possible to scale too far too fast. Absolutely. And, and in my case, it was totally ego and pride. I'm like, look at everything I've done but, in, in six months. Look at everything I've done in eight months. Yeah, let's go. But and how these companies, is it not? How is it not that? 
How is it not the pride? And that stops us again. It's these mindsets that are stopping us from really being the success. So if you really, obviously it's not totally what you wanted to be doing anyways, but if you had really wanted this huge marketing agency, which is what you were building, if you'd really wanted that and you'd had someone to kick your butt and show you what you were doing at the time, because that's often what's happening too, right? I can't see what I'm doing. I'm way too emotionally attached. I got too much pride involved. I got too much whatever, right? Too much yeah. of this going on for myself. So if you have the right person in place to help you see what you're not seeing, you can scale effectively in that scenario or any other. And it's, oh, it's so fascinating that you just described that scenario. Oh, it was, it was an interest. It was a very 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 interesting ride and there were a lot there were a lot of lesson learned and the funny thing is and this is why i just want to wring people's necks when they tell me <laughs> that that social media doesn't work and their clients aren't on facebook i was fine these mult these these business owners of million like the, these companies were making a million dollar two million five million dollars ten million dollars a year these business owners were finding me on Facebook and approaching me on Facebook through Facebook groups, through the same strategies that I shared. I would be, I was getting messages almost daily. Hey, I really like what you're putting out there about process automation, leaning out companies. How can you help me? Let's have a conversation. I would be sent out. Some of them, I'd, I'd never met them in person. They were all over North America yeah. and we would just text for 24, 48 hours, and they would be giving me their credit card to rack up $15,000, $30,000 just to get started. See, and that's a confidence you, thing too, being able to ask for that, being able to ask for $15,000 as a retainer, $30,000 as your retainer, without question, never backing down on who, what your value is and knowing what you bring to the table. Most, I think this is a big problem for a lot of small business when we talk about mindset, is that they don't know their value. I do talks on this sometimes about knowing your value. How can you articulate your value when you don't know it? And how can your clients come on board and say, fuck, I need that because you are so standing in what you, what you offer. It really just comes down to integrity. If you say that, if you say, if you say that you're going to do it, you do it. If you say you're going to do it to yourself, you do it. You keep your promises to yourself. If you start losing your integrity with yourself because you're not keeping your word to yourself, you're done. That's it. The end. So you baby steps, you build up that confidence in yourself with yourself. Then it comes to taking money from clients. Like, yes, when I first started that, I had trouble saying it's $1,500. Right. I had trouble with it. It's like, it's only $1,500. Um, and then I'm like, okay, so I got used to that. And then I'm like, what happens if I bump my, what happens if I add this on? Like, so, okay, so this is working. I'll take this. I'm going to take this out. I'm going to add on these couple things and I'm going to bump the price up to $3,000. Oh, okay. This is actually working. And then, so I'm evaluating on my says, and it's like, okay, well now I'm going to, okay, this isn't working. So these parts are going to be gone. I want to see how it works if I add this on, but my price is going up to $7,500. Oh shit. This is working. Okay. Well, what and happens if I follow this across and double it? 
but you're, you're starting to draw different people too. Like the people that you would have drawn at 1500 would not be the same people you draw at 7,500 or 10,000 or 15,000 or 30,000. The, I don't want to say caliber, but the willingness, because again, this goes back to the mindset of small cap. And I, I shouldn't say cap because that's a whole different market really. Um, but small that's business, stocks, yeah. small business to like medium to large businesses really do look at marketing or what they're willing to, what skin they're willing to put in. How much are you willing to put in? How much are you willing to invest in yourself or your business to move forward? And most people, I shouldn't say that, that's not true, but a lot of people, a lot of small business owners get stuck in that, but I can't invest in myself. I have to do this. I, but then you don't realize where you're really spending your money and coming from the finance world, you were a financial advisor. I was a financial advisor. You recognize that what we put priorities on financially says a lot about where we're going to get. Like I've invested a ton of money into myself and I honestly believe that there is no better time ever than now to invest in yourself. Because this is a time when you can really excel coming out of this, coming out of COVID and this lockdown that we're in, or you can be in the same place you were in yesterday, last year, five years ago, or just these small little tiny incremental moves because you can't invest in yourself. Yeah, and like that really, being on that side of the fence really, it really opened my eyes to how people from a psychological and sociological standpoint work and what I am comfortable with because it didn't take me long to realize the people who were coming to the table to eat with me at the $1,500 price point yep. were desperate and spending their last pennies hoping that maybe this would be the silver bullet that their gun needed. So not only am I taking their last pennies, but now they're stressing me out by trying to get in the way of me doing the job that I was hired to do for them. Right. So that was triggering the heck out of me and was making me so mad and I didn't want to work with them. So part of the scaling so far so fast was I also wanted to get rid of these people and kick them out of my life altogether. And so by raising my price points was a way to get rid of them. And then I'm like, oh, I really like the the pe I really like the quality of the people and the mindset of the people coming to the table now. So it was it was it was running away from the people who had the mindsets I didn't want to be around and running towards the other people while at the same yeah, you get it. <laughs> it's I think it's really important as any business owner. I don't know. From from my perspective, I'm a coach, right? I look very much from, I want to work with you, not because you're going to pay me money. <laughs> I want to work with you, one, because I know you have an absolute willingness to do what it takes. And because I know I'm going to get you somewhere. I, I don't yeah. want mediocre coming out of our work together ever. I want exceptional. So I'm picky with who I choose to take on as a client. And when there's a misalignment and every once in a while I mess up and I pick someone that I think is there, I think they're willing. And then you just see that they're not willing to do what they say they want done. 
And then for me, that's the worst lose. I never want to take someone's money ever, ever, ever. I never want to take someone's money to discover that I've won and they've lost. And honestly, if they're not growing, that's a loss to me. I never want to see someone come out of a program and not have the transformation. Not ever. Well, exactly. And the thing is, is a lot of the, a lot of the time we were just refunding the money to those lower price points, because the thing is, is, I mean, they would, it it would seem like it it literally, some of the people it felt like every two hours, every four hours, they were calling me Mm. for a sit rep for a status report. And it got (laughs) to the point where, where I wouldn't even want to know who was calling me because I was so stressed out and full of anxiety that my phone was ringing and it was just killing the creative process. It was like, if you, it, it came down to like, I just, that mindset is, I was like, I can't do it. Then I started realizing these people were looking for a silver bullet to save their livelihoods and their businesses. But really, like, and the reason I, I, I talk about marketing and sales so much when it comes to finance is no marketing means no sales. No sales means no clients. No clients, you don't have a business. Right. You do not have a business if you do not have clients. So it's kind of, in my mind, it's very impossible to talk about lending and borrowing money and mindset if you're not throwing a little bit of marketing and sales and stuff in there, because that is the founding, that is what builds your business. Right. That is what gets you to that point where you can start doing this stuff. So like you go to the bank and the banks are going to be very objective and they're going to be like, okay, well, no, we can't help you or no, you're not making a million dollars. And a lot of brokers and advisors and stuff like that are very much like that too. When it comes to me and my clients, I actually sit down and I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, we can't get you what you want. You're not positioned in order, whatever it is you want to obtain, you are not positioned for this. So let's have a conversation. Let's work together. Let's figure out what you can do and what's going to work for you so that you can position yourself so you can get and in grow position. here. So I go way like I go way beyond just what's in your bank account and that kind of stuff with clients. I talk about the the I talk not so much mindset. Sometimes I do, but I get really into like systems, processes, infrastructure, sales, marketing and stuff like that because that's what's going to take them to being eligible for whatever it is that they're striving for. So I feel like I'm doing a disservice for my clients and I don't even get paid to coach them like that. I don't charge for it. It's just, I'm here, I'm talking to you anyway, so let's go. And that's, that's a big part of the reason why, why people, why my clients love working with me is because it's, they, they get to, it, it helps them open up their minds and figure out what they can do. Um, and even then, if I'm talking to somebody and giving that advice and they're getting down on themselves, oh, nobody, nobody wants to. Nobody wants to help me, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, I just told you how to help yourself and you're not willing to help yourself. So of course, nobody is going to be willing to help you. Right. So sorry, we can't work together. (laughs) But that's a great thing to say here too, though, is understanding who you want to work with. And I, I, this has nothing to do with financing, but it sort of does. Because again, if you're going to be taking out loans or it's a mindset around that understanding that these are investments. These loans are investments to grow you, grow your business. It's a mindset all around growth. Clients yeah. I like that too. I mean, <laughs> how, 
I don't understand how somebody can be willing to get a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars in debt to go to school to prove themselves to a piece of paper when whatever the number probably 80 or 90 percent of people who go to school for degrees don't end up working in their chosen field that they went to school so you're willing to accumulate hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that's going to take you your whole life to pay off mm -hmm. but you're not willing to take a loan to market or grow your business how does that work <laughs> i i think it's kind of incredible too when it comes to the and I, I think I was talking about this on another podcast or another episode, but we were, I'm positive I was, <laughs> around the whole concept of book smart and being able to apply that. There's a big difference. I find that there's a lot of coaches that are book smart, but can't guide you. Mm -hmm. I, I hired one for a lot of money, a lot of money that was very misaligned with me and that was book smart. And it was a shame because it was a lot of money. When I say a lot, I'm like, you don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a big believer in investing in self and I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars doing such. So that says a lot about what I hired. There was a lot of promises and it's, it's important to know who you're working with and it's important to align yourself, your value systems. These are important with businesses too. Understanding who your client is and that your value system aligns with them too. It makes it a lot easier for you to communicate when you're in your marketing stages, communicating with your clients, right? It's not just about, hey, here's a picture of me and my kids and that's awesome. But it's also being able to communicate to them in the way that they want to be communicated to and that connects with them. Value systems, belief systems, the values of the company and how those align with them. Mm. Every single, every single entrepreneur, when they're starting out, one of the very first things they should do is what are my core values and what do I want to accomplish? And some of the businesses I have seen take off like a wildfire in a beast in a summer day in BC. One of the things, one of the first things they've done is they've written out their core values, like five or 10 of them. It doesn't have to be much. They've posted it in their wall before anybody is allowed to set foot in their office. They have to go and read the core values. They will not let anybody into their office and consider them as a client. If they do not read the company's core values and agree with those core values and those business owners, I've, I've seen those businesses take off like faster than wildfire just from that one simple thing and articulating that online as well, all the time and all their messages consistently. Consistency, right? Speaking to the choir, because that's what it becomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many dynamics, like it is, it's, it's like, you can get a Lion King and say it's the circle of life, but it pretty much is the circle of life because it's, it's it, borrowing money for your business is not just about borrowing money, it's, it's all of these little we human nature we like to compartmentalize everything and say this is this this is that whereas the power is connecting those dots because it's all those dots along the way that lead up to whatever it is over here that you're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. we've had some interesting tensions today <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Welcome to my world. I'm good at that. (laughs) So funny. So funny. Um, So Daniel, if someone is looking to get lending, if they're looking for funding, how do they contact you? What actually, let me back up for one sec. What would be best first step? So if I'm just, just starting to look for funding, what would I do? What would be the first step I would want to take? Obviously, I'd want to talk to someone like you. (laughs) What would be the first step? And how would I know a good person to speak to from a not so helpful one? The non-helpful ones want to fit you in their box. (laughs) That's it. The end. They want to fit you in their box. The helpful ones want to fit the lender into your box. Different lenders have different requirements. They have different fields of expertise and they have different specialties of clients. Some lenders, you, if you're a restaurant, a lot, a lot of people, like say a restaurant, a lot of restaurants, a restaurant owner will go to a, com- a lender that specializes in construction companies and wonders why they're not getting the loan that they want. Right. You don't, you don't, and then they think that there's no options available, right? Right. So it's not about fitting yourself into the box of a lender. It's finding a lender that can fit into your box and understands your business, your industry, and what you're trying to accomplish and is willing to work with you and help you get there. So I'm a big fan of Google. So what I just punched in something like lenders that, uh, lenders for restaurants, lenders for, um, I don't know, heavy equipment loans or like i'm just thinking you, off the top of my head whatever you is that I mean, where i'd start yeah google's a good start i see this all the time people will his people like lenders don't exactly say what types of programs that they offer and everything sounds very similar so what happens is because like borrowers tend to go to a bunch of different companies that offer the same type of program and then wonder why they're not getting financing because they're applying for the wrong company or they're applying for the wrong program. So part of that is like, yes, by all means, go online and do your research. But before you apply, interview them and see like, like, like do an interview, talk to a rep. What kind of businesses do you work? Like what, what industries do you prefer? That's a big one. When it, like what industries yep. do you prefer? Who do you typically work with? And actually put them through a bit of an interview process to make sure that what they offer is in a, in a, is in alignment. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, like you can tell by the questions, sales reps, advisors, brokers, whatever you want to call it. You can tell by the questions that they ask you on whether or not they're a good fit. And I have 10 questions I ask people right off the bat. Where are you from? What is your industry? What, what, like, where's your revenue? How do you get paid? Cause that's a big one. How do your clients pay you? Are you processing? Are, are you processing credit cards, debit cards? Are you a cash only business? Are you on, like, are you invoicing people on net 30, 60, 90 day payment terms? Right. Um, like wh- how, how is your payment structure and payment structure is, is a big one. Because if you're applying for lenders that don't specialize in your payment structure, you're going to end up with something that isn't beneficial for you, or you're going to end up with something that just doesn't, or you're going to get told no. Right. And uh, we see that all the time with people where they got burned 
or whatever from people because they got a program that's not suitable for their industry or their business. Somebody somewhere just found a way to put them in a box and call it a day to get them the money that they wanted. Okay. So really people need to speak to someone like you first, because at least you have this knowledge to say that's the wrong fit for you. This was, this is the right fit. This lender over here is more appropriate for what you're looking for. Correct? Yeah. And then exactly. And then not only that, but I will like, if I don't have access to a specific program, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll find somebody in my network that does have access to that program. Uh, so I know that they're going to get taken care of. But the thing is, though, too, is I'll also I'll also help with the application process. I'll say, okay, well, based off of our conversation, like it sounds like this program or this program would be the best for you. Here is why. Here are the strengths and here are the weaknesses of each program. Which one do you feel most comfortable with and why? Okay, now that we've established that, Here is the list of documentation that you're going to need to apply. Here is a list of documentation that they typically ask for along the way. Can you get me everything so that we're not holding up the process? And then from there, it's just about community. Like I don't pull the whole, you know, I'm not going to talk to you unless I have a yes and and approval. I talk to people every single step of the way. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, 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 we've got a number of different lenders at the table. These guys left because they don't like your cash flow. These guys left because they're not comfortable with your credit. These guys left because of whatever. These guys gave you a smaller offer than these guys. These guys are charging, want to charge you more interest. And I, I actually lay that all out so people know exactly what's going on and where the strengths and the weaknesses are in their files so that we know what we need to work on so that they can get larger rounds of capital down the road. And I'm probably, I don't know anybody else that does what I do like that. I really can't. So I would, I don't want to call myself a unicorn, but I'm kind of a unicorn. <laughs> because you're, you're actually bringing in two things here. This, and I swear to God, this has to do with your, um, your um, advisor background. Because advisors do this. They coach their clients. It's exactly what I did. <laughs> Financial advisors yeah. coach their clients. They get them where they need to be. And it isn't through just the lending. I mean, that's the outcome. And I mean, when you're in finance, when I was in, uh, an advisor, I was looking at like investments and I was looking at risk and how to mitigate those things and, you know, what we could put together and we do financial plans. But I would also coach them around these things and you just do, you just do. So um, I think it's part of your background that you now bring into this in such a beautiful way. I love that actually. It's- it's all about doing what's right what's and right. doing what's best. Yes. Because a lot of like even even like even the marketing agency when I was doing that, like it would have been so easy just to walk away, ghost everybody, do nothing. Oh, I'm not getting paid. Things aren't going by way, whatever. That would have been easy. The hard part is that having those hard conversations and saying, okay, look, here's what's going on. Here's why it's going on. Here are my suggestions. And the thing is. The reason most people don't do it that that is because a it is very hard to have those conversations sometimes. Sometimes yep. you're gonna get yelled at. Sometimes people are gonna cry. Sometimes people are gonna hang up on you. But at the end of the day, having the cojone to go out there and have those conversations, people are gonna respect you that much more, and you will make a very successful career out of whatever it is that you're doing 
by having those hard talks and coaching people through it. It's not always about, it's like people think that business ownership is all like, yes, okay. It's all about going global and doing this and doing that. You're never going to get there if you don't do the right thing for the people that you're representing. Totally agree. You're just not. And totally that agree. includes having the hard talks, whether you want to or not. I like to call those the, I'm going to call you out in your bowl talks. And I always lay this out with my clients right from the very beginning. I'm like, okay, so understand that I am always here to make sure that you grow and advance to the highest levels. So I'm never going to hold back with you. I'm always going to be honest with you. Sometimes I will never say it maliciously. I will never point out things in a horrible, judgmental way ever, but I will always lay it out for you. And especially when you're caught up in your own stuff, I'm going to call you out on that. Are you okay with that? I literally lay this out with them. I used to do the same when I was in finance. I would lay things out with them. I'm going to be really honest with you. Are you okay with that? If you're not, okay, I'll just, we'll say our goodbyes now. <laughs> What's the point? I turn it, I turn it into fun. And how I turn that into fun depends on the person that I'm working with. Like I've, I've gotten a good laugh out of people with people where I'll, I'll call them up and, and they'll answer. And I mean, some people are super professional. They're like, Hey, this is so-and-so speaking. Yeah. Other people are like, Hey, what's up, Daniel. And every now and then I'll be like, okay, you and I need to have a come to Jesus talk right now. Do you have time? And they're like, they, they, and they just, they just start laughing. Right. And it just, it just takes the stress. They're like, okay. And other times I'll call them up and I'll be like, yeah, if I don't have that good of a relationship, man, like, I hate to break this to you, but we got to have a hard talk. Are you ready for a hard talk right now? Or <laughs> do we need news. to put something in the books? Yep. And more often than not, people just drop what they're doing. They're like, okay, we got to have a hard talk. Let's have a hard talk. Hit me with it. Like, I don't want this festering on my mind now that you called me. But, and, and they just, they respect you that much. Like, I, I've never had anybody, I've, I've never had, I had one lady break down in tears. And that was it. Other than that, nobody has ever yelled at me or lost their stuff on me or, or nothing. Because again, I, I think when, when you're being truthful, and I think that you can do this tactfully, but when you're being truthful in these scenarios where it is the hard conversation, they know that you're there with their best interest at, at heart. You're not there for you. You're there for them. And that's the world of difference in how people receive these difficult conversations. Lead, leading from the heart is a big one. Yeah. Um, the next best thing that you can do is offer solutions first. And sometimes I don't do this. Sometimes I, like I just, some, yes, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> I, I, I mess up and I like, I, I do the, I'm going to beat you up before I'm going to give you the solutions. <laughs> Um, and, but other, like if you come from say, okay, here's what we need to do. And here's why we need to do it. Yep. People just, they're, they're receptive. And like, I like all the time, I guess this drives me insane. I'll talk to, I'll have a, a people will be like, yeah, I'm super profitable and I'm making all this money. I made like a hundred, $120,000 this year. And I'm like, okay, great. I get their bank statements. That $120,000 was made in two months and they have zero revenue the rest of the year. And I'm like, 
we need to have a come to Jesus talk. You are not getting money from everybody. Yes, you may feel that you are profitable, but you are only profitable two months of the year. What about overhead, supplies, staff? How are your staff eating? Like you're not, you're bleeding. Like what can we do to, to even these, these revenue streams? People like that tend to get mad when no matter how you position it because they feel good for two months and think that everything is okay. But yeah. Okay, so how there's do people always, get a hold of always. you? I would say probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is just go to contact.danielmorrow.ca. Don't worry, we'll have that in the show notes, peeps. Yeah, absolutely. Just contact.danielmorrow.ca. And all it is is a page with buttons. That's it. So it, it has like, you click this button to connect with me on Facebook. You click this button to go to my YouTube or this button to go to my Instagram. And then I have, a, there's a button on there for people who are ready to apply for loans. Those same 10 questions that I ask everybody, mm -hmm. it just brings me to that form so I can know whether or not I can help you before I actually get on the phone with you. Yep. And then I have other pages for like specialized programs and stuff. And it's cool. It's simple. It's all laid out. Just click a button and have fun. Excellent. Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having this wild ride <laughs> conversation <laughs> around lending, mindsets, business, um, yeah, and the things that block us from being incredibly successful business owners. And you're right, more, more often than not, it's a fear, it's a pride, it's a block, and those blocks can always be cleared. Always, always, always be cleared. Always, as long as there's a willingness. And the greatest part is Absolutely. once you do, look at all of the available options you have to grow your business. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, once you know what's available, the answer will speak to you. You will know what you need to do once you know what's available because you'll just feel pulled towards it. So you can hit the ground running. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again for being on the show. We look forward to, um, I, I hope that many people contact you because obviously you really know your stuff. I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, Daniel. Have an absolutely amazing day. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Cheers, guys. And that concludes our episode today. So for all of you looking for information on lending, you can definitely reach Daniel, uh, check the show notes, his details are in there. And any of you who are looking to make the mental shift or the mental shifts, any of you ready to take that jump, any of you that are absolute professionals, driven, ready to do this, contact me at fearitgoes.com. You can reach me at contact there or you can go brandy at fearitgoes.com. Either way, reach out because I am absolutely ecstatic to serve you and see you soar and reach those heights of large companies and of large lives that really get you jumping out of bed. Until next week, beautiful souls, I cannot wait to share every single one of these episodes I've recorded because they are awesome. Till next week, have an absolutely extraordinary week.